Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the greatest San Francisco Giants baseball podcast of all time. And now here are your hosts, McCoveyChronicles.com site contributors Brian Murphy, Doug Bruzzoni, and Sammy Higgins. Sammy, the Giants won their first series of 2018, and I feel like this is cause for celebration. All right. Brandon Brandon Belt was the hero, basically, of the weekend series in Los Anaheim. And uh, no Doug this week. Just get that out of the way real quick. It's Brian Murphy, Sammy Higgins. And we're going to cover. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we might as well call this one the Belt Cast because Brandon Belt was basically the hero of the week. That's right. Uh, I picked him a week too soon. Yes, and I picked him the right week. That's right. Uh, We'll get to that a, a little bit later, but... Uh, obviously, the big story is is that the Giants again won their first series of the season, uh, twenty one games in, nine and twelve. Hey, okay, guess, and, guess we'll take it. <laughs> they did it against an actually good team. That when they came into the series, the Angels were leading the American League West, and now they are not. And to they beat them, uh, continued to like this because the Red Sox just pounded the Angels right before the Giants got there. They, they, the Giants beat them enough in such a way to call into question their hot start, almost. <laughs> um, the the Angels, I think the consensus was that that pitching is a huge question mark up and down. I don't think the Giants did too much to put it in the in the concern area. I mean, Garrett Richards handled them pretty well, and uh, Heaney they actually did a pretty pretty solid job knocking around. Uh, but you know. Uh, Berea, who was the pitcher yesterday, uh, Juan Berea, right? Juan Berea, yeah. No, I... no Jaime Berea, thank you. He mm-hmm. uh, was he, he was in absolute, the, the worst trouble you could be in as a pitcher. He, he The Giants got him out of the game in the third inning, and he wasn't behind, and he'd barely given up uh, much contact. But because Brandon Belt decided to run 21 pitches up, and they got 49 pitches in, in the first inning out of him, um, it's you know what that pitcher was uh, Jaime Berea. Uh, that was a very impressive outing for a 21 year old pitcher. I think we should just say that uh, that he got in such trouble. Like it was kind of it was funny as it was going on, but then as like it you know after Belt was uh, was out and you're thinking about it, you're like, man, this poor kid. It's only his second major league start, and they ran up his pitch count in the first inning. <laughs> that's just, that's just uh, I'm not going to say disrespectful, but it's just a little bit rude. <laughs> And, I mean, I guess we can't help it. We have to just talk about this 21-pitch 20, at-bat that Brandon Belt had ends in a line-out. But Belt actually said after the game that the sun was just – it was making it hard to see the ball clearly. Well, I mean, I think he saw the ball pretty clearly. <laughs> well, and it reminded me there was a piece – I don't know if it was on Friday, but I think I read it on Friday in the Chronicle from John Shea. And it talked about, you know, everyone should read it if you haven't, but it talked a lot about like kind of disproving a lot of the myths around Brandon Belt from all of the people on the other side of the Belt Wars. Um, And it talked in there about how he does not swing out of the zone. Like that's just not something that he hits well. And I think if you go and look at the 21 pitches and where they were, like they were all in the strike zone except for the three he laid off of. So I kind of pretty much was a visual uh, visual representation of that point. It's basically his resume for what he's all about <laughs> as a hitter. And I would say that not only were those pitches in the strike zone, what was interesting was the way that uh, Berea was mixing the fastball and the slider, actually the curveball and the changeup. 
and Belt was able to just completely lay off the changeup, and he got fooled on a curveball, I think, for the second pitch. It was this only swing through of the at-bat. And and after that, he was on that curveball, and then that fastball, he just couldn't quite swear, square up. It looked like he was kind of swinging under it a little bit to foul it off. And then he was out in front on a lot of pitches that, that he kept hooking. And I really think that that at-bat, it encapsulates what Brandon Belt's all about. But what I actually really saw in it, and I mean, honestly, I was not watching the game. This was a Sammy-assigned game, and Sammy, did it, you did a fantastic job with the recap. You're covering. You're just covering the crap out of the Giants, all right. So, uh, so thanks for that. But I, you know, I was kind of watching basically through game day. And after about pitch 16 or 17, you know, I love Brandon Belt. I also look at baseball as baseball players are successful, even the, but they fail a lot. And so, in most pitcher hitter battles, the pitcher is going to win. But what it came down to me at that point, once I got to pitch 16 or 17 was not like who wants it more or anything like that. It was just like, who's going to tire out first? <laughs> and that's all it was about to me. And I think Brandon Belt, if anything, if that was five pitches earlier, maybe, the the swing he puts on what wound up being the final out probably goes farther. It's probably a home run. But well, I, and I, I, the fact that he did come back later in the game and hit a home run, I'm like, how? Is your arm dead? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. He just needed a little more time to recharge, you know? If he <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with the older pace of play, he might have been able to step out a little bit more, that kind of thing. Uh, but although Panic was on base, so he didn't actually – they didn't have to actually play by the, the newer, faster rules. But, you know, and Bell's, thankfully there was – there was a, I don't think there were any outs at that point because panic would have just been, it was like two outs. He'd have just been like sprinting back and forth. That's right. I can't remember who pointed that out on Twitter. It might've been Baggerly, but you know, basically Joe panic would have just died of exhaustion halfway between <laughs> first and second around pitch number 16 or 17. But I mean, it's Brandon belt is ostensibly, I can use that without sounding pretentious, ostensibly <laughs> the second best hitter on the team. And we don't know what's going on with Buster Posey right now. It's fair to bring that up. And I, it could be an injury. It could be something like that. I tend to think it's something like something's nagging him. But when Buster Posey is not the best hitter on the team, there's no question that Brandon Belt is then therefore the best hitter on the team. And so it's always nuts to just, you know, the week that was, we're, we're kind of, we're talking, this is the Belt cast. We should also just talk about, dude keeps getting benched. <laughs> Well, hold on. Before we get to that, can we can we go back in time just a little bit and talk about that, why he's the hero of the week for another reason? It's because he broke up the no-hitter. He broke up the no-hitter. Uh, yes, that was the... I, I would just say if, you're, if Brandon Belt is a character in a fictional story, that's, the Brandon, that's what you write Brandon Belt to break up the, the no-hitter with. Brandon Belt did not... He swung at every pitch he saw that game. And the one pitch he tried to not swing at, uh, he wound up check swinging for the hit that broke up uh, the no-hitter. And I don't know, there's, there's no better character in recent Giants memory in, in baseball that that works best for. It's just funny. He wasn't trying to beat the shift, he, but he was also trying to remember the be aggressive approach that I guess... You know, because he kept kept getting benched this season. The Giants have played 21 games. He's been benched, what, four times? At least four or five. And so, you know, he's, all right, I got my chance. I know I I got to be aggressive. I can't just be taking close pitches or strikes. I got to be swinging at him. And (laughs) 
And he overlearned that lesson. Yes. <laughs> and it wound up working out. <laughs> so Brandon Belt uh, has been not just the the hero of the week. He he's been he's been the storyline of the week. Right, and you would have thought that the storyline of the week, I mean, at least as of Friday, you would have thought the storyline would have been Mac Williamson, but we'll get to that, of course. But, yes. you know, and then Belt just is like, no, this is, this is my week. That's right. Uh, yeah, the I mean, but it's, it's hard to kind of talk about, uh, it's hard to talk about him in any other way of sort of, this is what this Croncast, what the, what the website has basically been saying, like, this is what you get with Brandon Belt. You will have weeks like this. You will have two weeks like this, maybe even three weeks. Then you'll have two or three weeks where other people get the chance to like kind of stake, stake their claim of he's not good at all. And I, don't, <laughs> I guess I say get to. I pointed out in my recap the other day that he has at-bats where I can totally see why people lose their, their freaking minds over that. Is that going back to John Shea's article, absolutely. He has, uh, article, he has at-bats where he doesn't give away strikes and he'll only swing at what's in the strike zone. But my contention was he'll take the borderline pitches, which is great eye, which is a great eye. But then he does clearly get fooled on pitches that are outside of the zone. So it doesn't, you know, and then it just looks like, so then the argument for the couch guy watching on the couch is basically, how could you take that close pitch and then swing at that garbage? Which (laughs) obviously it's from Belt's perspective, it's looking like a strike. My contention the other night was he, the pitch he hit a home run on uh, was in the same relative location as pitches he's laid off of. And then the pitches he chased were in a completely different side of the plate. And that's where I'm like, okay, I get why people get upset. The numbers, though, should speak for themselves to some degree. And I think this is where I start to lose my mind with what numbers are people looking at? Are they really only looking at home runs and RBIs still? Still? Still. <laughs> and, and the answer is yes. Undoubtedly, unquestionably, yes. So to those people, I say, let's look at some other things. But first, before we do that, let's look at Mac Williamson's home run from Friday night. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We should go back and talk about the Arizona series. But for the moment, the Angels series is fresh in the minds. It's the first series that the Giants won this year. And it was in no small part because the Giants finally figured out they just finally chose to phantom DL Hunter Pence, which you said Mac Williamson should have probably have been the story. I think it was that push-pull between Williamson and Pence, which if Belt hadn't sort of ridden into, you know, rode into prominence here, we'd be talking about that. We'd be going on another bit about how the Giants don't want to bench uh, uh, an inspirational, you know, figurehead player. And... Mac Williamson at this the Giants scoring one or zero runs in ten of their eighteen games up to that up to the weekend series that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean that that's just when they were like you know what screw this you know they lose three to one in Arizona they scored they scored hold on four five they scored five runs in three games in Arizona and in four games in San Diego they scored uh, thirteen runs and got outscored quite a bit as well. And yeah, at some point it's just not sustainable. And Hunter Pence, you can look at his his numbers, but if you don't even want to look at the numbers, which again, the people who only count home runs and RBIs are very strange because looking at strikeouts that you're criticizing a guy who strikes out a lot, and then you don't look at the other players who strike out way more, 
and don't do anything other than strike out. I mean, Hunter Pence is 22 to 2 strikeouts to walks. And so if you want to ignore that, okay, look at his at-bats. He doesn't he looks completely overmatched, lost at the plate. I don't know what you want to call it. And I don't want I'm not ragging on the guy. I'm just saying the Giants gave it 3 weeks. Let's be fair to the Giants here, Sammy. Giants gave it 3 weeks. That that seems short, to be honest, given their history. But it seems short given their history, absolutely. But I would say if we took a big, if all of us figured out a way to take a step back and said <laughs> this baseball team for a guy who's in the last year of his deal, who's thirty five years old, who means a lot to the spirit of the organization, they gave him three weeks to turn it around. That seems completely reasonable. And you can't, and you also can't argue that Hunter Pence was the reason why the Giants have been so bad offensively. Because he's not the only one. Right. So on all those terms, it, 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 like it, I was not that angry about it. What I would have been upset about was if they had called up Mac Williamson, he went 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 on Friday night, and then we don't see him again until, you know, until he gets sent back down. And then he gets sent back down. That would have driven me nuts. Uh, so it's a great thing that Mac Williamson decided to hit a home run on Friday night. Decided. <laughs> And I want to point out that this home run was impressive, not just because it was to the opposite field with a lot of juice on it, but that is a pitch that I don't think, I think Hunter Pence is the only giant before last season, let's say, but he's the only giant on the roster who could have gotten to a pitch like that and hit it the way that Williamson hit it. And so the Giants have just been lacking in that dynamic hitter who's a power threat. I mean, the other night we saw uh, Buster Posey was getting challenged on the outside corner and he was just f- flying it out weekly to right field. I think it was Granky who was pitching him away. And uh, and Buster just, if there's an injury or something going on, he just couldn't do anything with that. The ability to hit the ball to the opposite field is very important. I'm sure everyone knows this because it challenges the pitcher. The pitcher's got to figure out a way to get you out now. And it's just been way too easy to get the Giants out. Um, coming into yesterday's game... 25% of the time, the Giants strike out, which seems low. Yeah. Can we even talk about Saturday night where they struck out <laughs> 17 times? Which is the first since they faced Sandy Koufax? No, Don, Don Drysdale in 1959. That's the most they've had in a nine-inning game. Yeah. Uh, so 17 of their 27 outs were via the strikeout. And, um, and I don't think there's anyone who could sit there and say it's Brandon Belt's fault. I mean, <laughs> that's someone just... could. Yes. Someone could. You you overestimate people. Brandon Belt was not even playing that night? He was. It was oh, his okay, yeah. Friday right. night that he did. We had off. Had off. That's we'll right. put it that that's way. Right. There we go. Uh, Mac Williamson did not strike out in that game. It's important. He was the only one. Yes, he's the only one. And uh, and that was that was interesting because uh, Garrett Richards really was just throwing, just overpowering them with fastballs and sliders right in the strike zone. Uh, so the week that was, again, uh, Struggling in Arizona, although I would say that the Giants had a really nice win on Wednesday night where they had to win an extra innings, but uh, Brandon Belt hitting a monster home run to kind of give them the lead. Um, That was a win that that's the tough win that you look at and you go, okay, I see the good team in here. And I would say even the one hitter, as tough as that was, the fact that the Giants, I, I would say that's through three weeks, right, Sammy? That the theme has been, wow, they could be, they could be way worse. Right. They went uh, 500 this week. They won three. They lost three. I'll take it at this point. 
I mean, I think we're still kind of treading water until Bumgarner gets back. So, the pitching, the fact that it's holding up at all is is remarkable. It's it's just remarkable. Chris Stratton. I was just being, <laughs> yeah. Chris Stratton has looked incredible uh, since he became since he was essentially a full time starter last year. Uh, he's he's pitched in. Oh, I can't even remember what it was now. But you know he's had a, a two and a half ERA basically, or a two forty ERA in in his last uh, seven or eight starts, going back to last year. And he's he's being more than what the Giants were expecting of him, more than what they asked of him, really. And it's it's quite impressive. Um, I want to I want to talk about Johnny Cueto in a second. But before we get into the pitching, before we get into the good stuff. Because I, I, I want to talk about Cueto and Samarja, both worthy of, of some conversation. One thing I really want to talk about for a second, I don't know if you guys saw this, if you're listening, um, but the other night, uh, Hank Shulman tweeted out that Bruce Bochy was asked, and I believe Shulman was one of the people who asked, uh, Bruce Bochy about leaving Derek Holland in to face the Angels order for a third time. Derek Holland, if you didn't know, was with the Texas Rangers for a long time. He faced the Angels a lot. Albert Pujols and Mike Trout all had good numbers against him. Who am I forgetting right now? There were three guys that really banged around Holland. Was it Kinsler? It was, uh, no, it was, wait, on um, Saturday night? Yes. So Trout homered. He homered in all three games. Um, It was Pujols and, oh, God, it was my recap. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. But the fact of the matter is, is that Derek Holland's in the game. And he's facing the Angels' order for the third time. Now, you might say he's pitching well. This is like that's new school foo-foo stuff that you can ignore. What is the value in leaving Derek Holland, who is, to use the word again, ostensibly your fifth starter, what is the value of leaving him in to face the middle of the Angels' order uh, when you're trying to win a baseball game? I'm not understanding... I understand what it is. It's Bruce Bochy saying he looked good and I'm the manager and I know when to pull a pitcher. I don't need – because Bochy's I, – I think I, did, I got away from my own point. The question was asked and Bochy was upset. And he was like, you guys are really hung up on this third time through the order thing. Well, we know in three weeks already there's been three times at least. There might even be a fourth I can't even think of right now where Bochy – the third time through, Bochy's been burned every time. Um, I want to say it was in the opening series in LA. It happened, and I think it I, happened to Stratton. No, no, no. It happened to somebody else this week. It might have been okay. I think it was Stratton the opening week, opening weekend, and then I. But I, that was more like the relievers then. But Stratton got into trouble to start it. So correct me if I'm wrong, or or maybe we can't verify this. But as I recall, because it's not that deep into the season, Stratton. In the opening series, and I believe I'm going to say Ty Block in the opening day game against the Mariners, um, and then yeah, you want to say Stratton from this past week, and then Holland. It's four times already. We might even be missing one. I think it was. Hold on, I'm sorry. I I, I want to say it was. Sorry, slow internet. But I I want to say it was whoever was starting Wednesday's game got into trouble as well. But I can't remember who that was. Well, we can work backwards from this. It was yeah, it, it, I have slow internet connection. That's why it's <laughs> slow to recollect. Uh, um, well, Stratton started on Wednesday. 
And okay. so Stratton and I believe Stratton started the inning, and then that's where he got he gave up the run. Am I oh, remembering the, that wrong? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to say that. Yeah, but even that wasn't that bad. But yeah, no, go back to your point. So you said. Oh, oh but just the bigger yeah. point was the bigger point was simply that Bochi getting upset about you guys are getting hung up on the on the third time through the order thing, and I'm trying to save my bullpen. That was sort of the other part of it mm-hmm. that the bullpen had sort of been chewed up. Listen, those are that's a valid point. The second point, but here's the first point. You knew that was going to happen when you lost Samarja and Bumgarner. So <laughs> I don't know why you're why that's an issue. Because and I would do think they, you... <laughs> do they even really have anybody at this point who can function as a long reliever? Not really. Because they've kind of been leaning Pierce on... Pierce Johnson? Reyes Maranta, he did two innings the other day. He's been amazing, first of all. Um, but we should I talk about think... him some more. The pitching has been worthy of just talking about and marveling at. Maranta's gotten two innings, but so is Pierce Johnson. So yeah. Could, they could, between the two of them, it could just be a matchup situation. I know, I know they'd love Josh Osage to be that one and two-thirds inning guy, but he can't even be a third of an inning guy at this point. Um, Corey Guerin, I'm sure all these guys, they want to pitch multiple innings. Really, they can't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they knew this was going to happen when they lost their top two of their starters. And so, I mean, in that, on that level, what's the problem with that? Your bullpen's getting chewed up? Okay, well, that was to be expected. Well, I, I guess mean, maybe, the, maybe the larger point, his larger point, if I can put words in his mouth, is that, like, like I said, they don't really have a long reliever guy. The bullpen has been getting chewed up, has been getting a lot of use, and has been having a shaky week. So, I mean, what are his options? Like, is he supposed to just put them in and hope for the best, even though – you know, at least in terms of the fans' eyes, they're probably less likely to get a favorable outcome. Or he can hope that the starting pitcher will, you know, come through and and, and get it done. But, I, I mean, it's a 50-50 shot either way. I think what I, this week has finally crystallized for me is that you cannot parse his – you can't figure out his thought process – you can actually, if you want to be deeply cynical, but I mean, there's no consistency in what he's and ever what he's done. So he is a from the gut guy, because the third time through the order thing, he seems to be to totally reject on both sides of the equation. Was it not this week that Belt was pulled for Nick Hunley to pinch hit? No, it was Joe Panic. Yep, that Panic. was this week. That was that was this week. Yeah. Joe Panic had walked against uh, against Robbie, not Robbie Ray. No, it was uh, <laughs> the other left-hander in the <laughs> in the Arizona Patrick Corbin. There and, you go. Uh, yeah. And Panic had seen, I believe, the most pitches out of anyone. Had walked in his previous plate appearance and was going to be facing Corbin for the fourth time as he was nearing a hundred pitches. Bruce Bochy decides I'm going to pinch hit Joe Panic for Nick Hunley who is a right-handed hitter and has been squaring and has been our best hitter since spring training. Right? That's the thinking in Bruce Bochy's mind. You know, forgetting the fact that um, Joe Panic has two two of his three home runs off of uh... So, exactly. So he's he's ignoring so he never ignores the book when he's making the lineup. But then he will when it's a lefty-righty matchup. And he'll throw away the turns to the order. He'll go with it. You know, that's, he thought Nick Hunley was a better person in that situation than Joe Panic. I don't understand that. 
I don't I understand. I an article about it, and I don't understand. Yes, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It it makes it makes sense from an emotional standpoint, it, but to me, that sounds like the sign of someone who is uh, who is uh, who is entering his twilight, because that is such the most but, dim feeling of the situation. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to have you. Are on. you throwing a flag? Are you calling I'm the replay? I'm on that one. Let's not make ageist jokes, please. Thanks. I, I wonder if he's been doing it so much, though, that he has stopped thinking about thinking things through in quite the same way. And to be perfectly honest, it's kind of mind numbing to think baseball thoughts through five steps ahead after a certain point. Doing it even for a year is exhausting. So doing it for as long as he has, maybe it's just annoying. Well, and and if you go, like, I went through, you, like, Nick Hundley does have better numbers against righties than Joe, not, I don't want to say than Joe Panic. Joe Panic, sorry, I'm backwards here, okay. Nick Hundley has better numbers against lefties. Joe Panic has better numbers against righties. So I guess it, using that very base logic, like, if we're talking career numbers is what I was looking at the other night. But, I mean, you have to look at like more recent numbers as well. And so it just didn't back up. It, it didn't back up his lefties can't hit lefties mentality. And I, I just don't know how long he's going to stick with that considering how many left-handed batters he has on his team. Right. Well, I mean, again, he'll just, there is no consistency to what book he uses. He's not even consistent with the you hit a home run. You're in the lineup the next day. Can we talk about that for a second? Yes. Yes. Let's Brandon, talk about that. Brandon Bell hit a home run on Wednesday. He hit a home run on Thursday and when you hit a home run, you're supposed to play the next day, except the next day, Brandon Belt was benched, and it was his birthday. And then he, he came did. back in the lineup on Saturday, hit a home run, came back in the lineup on Sunday, hit a home run. What, is he going to get benched on Monday? Like, In fairness to Bochy on that point, he didn't just do it to Belt, he did it to Longoria. Longoria homered, and then San- Sandoval was in the lineup. But mainly, there was like... Longoria, I think, was like his ankle was hurt or something. So it was like an extra reason for that. There was a reason for that, unlike yeah, Belt, yeah. who just bat, apparently yes. has bad numbers on his birthday. Has, exactly. So there's a micro split that he's willing to pay attention to, which does it. So I guess, what, <laughs> you know what? Let's just put this on the board to revisit, the storyline to revisit. Something, Next year, could, something could be going on in the dugout. There is a. There is a great comment by one of the McCovey Chronicle commenters that I want to point out. You know what, though? I feel like I got away from the larger point because <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about turns to the order. Well, no, I, we're, it was pretty consistent. There, He seems to say, on one hand, Bochy seems to reject certain statistical ideas. But to me, the third time through the order idea seems to be like that's not an advanced stat. That's just counting. <laughs> Like, that's not a, like a mystical thing. That's just and, something you can notice. Yeah. And so it to me, it falls in the same line of like the guy who doesn't do well on his birthday. Like, why couldn't that argument be made for his mindset? Not an ageist thing. I'm talking about Brochi's mentality. So now I can tie it into the bigger thoughts. There is a commenter on McCovey Chronicles on Friday in the game thread um, named to. Tapokata. I'm going to say I'm saying it wrong. T a p o k a t a. I don't know why I can I can't say it right. And the comment was that they said was pure projection and speculation on my part. So I am likely wrong. But in my opinion, Bochi is working with with the coaching staff. 
that he didn't pick, and outside of Wotus, hasn't built up a relationship of trust. I get the feeling that the coaching staff is walking on eggshells around him and are content to let Bochi make all of the big decisions. Well, there's also Bam Bam who's there as well, and Bam Bam's the bench coach now too. I like I like this idea because this seems to fit into what most of us can agree has some truth in human nature that would be hard to ignore. And as professional as anyone could be, I can't imagine. I guess what I'm getting at is we can imagine a scenario where it's as dark as this, but the more likely scenario is the Giants and Bochi came to an agreement on like, here's who we're thinking. Here's the three guys we'd want. Who would you want out of these three? Or maybe it was like, Bochi, we need to make some changes. What? Who do you see? And then Bochi maybe named some names, right? We could see that as being more amicable and happening in that sort of way. But even if that's happening, there's still going to be a, an air of like, things are a little shaky for him, right? It's just different. And mm-hmm. having to make these choices, even if he's given the choice, it's not a gun to his head, but it's simply the matter of like, you have to change the way you do things a little bit. And so I like the idea because it makes sense to me that if you're bringing in Kurt Young and you're bringing in um, Al- Alonzo Powell and you're publicly declaring we're going to be a little bit more advanced sabermetrically, met- <laughs> and then someone says, you know, this third time through the order thing, I like the idea of petty passive-aggressive Boji picking his spots to just be like, I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, he might agree with it but I, to me it, it tracks in some way of like I'm still going to do things this my is, way <laughs> I was going to say because this is a thing that isn't new to this season I mean he's had this he's had this same problem in other seasons as well exactly so it's 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 in character oh I, okay so I see what you're saying is it, yeah. is this is one thing he's not going to budge on so it, it becomes troublesome because it's entirely possible that some of the things that the Giants are doing that we don't obviously see are kind of working. I only say that because you have to admit it's a surprise, a positive and a negative for the Giants, which maybe gets us into one of our other topics before we get to the great pitching, which is, or we go revisit a topic. <laughs> Two things are happening that are different this year. One, the Giants have no pitching to speak of and and yet somehow they are getting through each game and doing well. Is that the result of a new pitching coach and maybe a new way of approaching the game? I think it's possible. I would you, you could certainly draw a line from the Giants in the offseason saying we had a bad year and we're going to change up the coaching and our approach to try to make things better. And then bang, the next year things are better. You could draw a line from that. And then the other part of it is the Giants are striking out way more than they have in recent memory. Even for a team that has no hitters on their team, like a bunch of slappy guys, they're still striking out at a very high rate. They're not even making the contact they traditionally made. And I don't know if that's based on approach or changes or scouting differently or seeing different things. I'm not sure of that. But I, I don't think what I'm getting at is those are all points in the idea of there are things that are different this year about the Giants team because they've changed some personnel in the clubhouse, in the organization, etc. So all that seems to fit to me of like, so Bochi could still publicly push back on some other things here and there. So maybe there are things that were always that things that he's not a micromanager, obviously. So there's just things that aren't in his control. And those are the things that are just being cha- you know, approached differently. And the things that are inside of his in his purview, essentially, haven't hasn't changed much. 
That might be fair to say right now, because based on the evidence, that's certainly what it feels like. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, but then now let's let's just circle cycle into one thing. I want to start with Samarja and then I go with Cueto. Samarja looked like he was pitching carefully, but he also looked not in a hesitant, weak way. In the in the, I'm not going to blow it all out because I'm both one trying to get like get back in the gear and the rhythm, and, and two had, I oh, sure. go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I said he only had one rehab start. Exactly. I think he looked great. I was. Uh, I think whatever he was doing, it looked like all of his pitches had some nice movement on there. I don't think. I don't remember his fastball getting up to like. Did he break ninety four? I don't. I don't recall seeing that. Um, I would say it's it's encouraging, and that's a really good lineup. And to start to kind of make your your season debut against them. Right. Well, and I I guess I was a little bit harsh in my recap talking about how he walked the bases loaded in the um was it the fifth inning, and I had somebody let me find his username. It was um on Twitter. It was Red Dodden at Red D A W D D, and he pointed out the fact that apparently a lot of the um the balls were called in the strike zone. So some strikes that should have been, or some, some balls that were called balls that should have been called strikes worked against him. In the was that the Joe West night? That was not. No. That was Saturday night Saturday. with all the, with all the strikeouts. That makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, I think Samarja pitched great. And I think that if this game had, if that game had been played in July and Samarja was on one of his like typical four or five, seven innings, you know, one home run, two home runs allowed, and like nine strikeout rolls that he gets on. He comes in Anaheim, he goes five innings, he gives up six runs, he walks three, strikes out eight, something like that. And we don't we don't even think about it. You know what I mean? And so this is a time of the year right now where some people might still say the pitchers are ahead of the hitters, et cetera, et cetera. But the Angels have been putting up runs, and Samarjo was essentially making – I mean, he was making his first start of the season, and really his second start in the in the last month. Well, and he, I think was, just, he was about five feet away from giving up a grand slam as well in in the fifth inning, but it it wouldn't have mattered. They won eight to one, but still, I mean, I thought that was kind of an interesting story because he gave up a grand slam in the first inning of his rehab start too. Well, that's how I knew he was fine. <laughs> Jeff Samarja giving up home runs doesn't doesn't tell me anything about how good or bad he is. <laughs> Um, and he did not give up any home runs on Friday night. So he to did. me, that's like, that was, that was a win. So, so that's Samarja. And I don't know, one start, it's hard to take. We've certainly micro, we've certainly taken one thing in this podcast and blown it out of proportion here. The Giants got one of their best starting pitchers back and he had an encouraging first start against a tough team. There's going to be rough patches going forward until he gets into a rhythm, but just having him back on the team has got to be a huge boost but let's get into what Johnny Cueto's doing because it's really exciting. It is, and can I say I'm really scared about his ankle? Well, because it's essentially like uh, he's like a boxer, right? He's get he keeps getting punched where he was cut. Right, and then he keeps <laughs> making these very athletic plays, and I'm just like, don't do that. You're hurt, well, and I want you to get more hurt. Well, Sammy, he is a professional athlete. I understand that, but you know what I mean. Like he had just. Well, I mean, he's one of the elite athletes. <laughs> Earlier in Sunday's game, he they had um, a mound visit to see because he, I guess, uh, tweaked his injured ankle um, in throwing a pitch, and he said he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. But then after that, he goes and makes a, 
a play at first base and I'm just like, no, let let the, let the professionals do that. You're a pitcher. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> I mean, he's all over the field. He's going left. He's going to the third base foul line, cutting off Brandon Crawford. Uh, but but... <laughs> <laughs> he's just pitching. He's pitching so well. And I would just hate to see something silly, like not silly, but you know what I mean? Like he's already injured on that ankle. And I don't believe for one second that he's a hundred percent on the ankle, but he's pitching so well. I just hate to see him get sidelined because he goes to make some, you know, some heroic play that he didn't really need to make, but well, we've, I'm here. Uh, maybe you remember this Joe, uh, John Madden quote or, or maybe not, but John Madden used to say, if guys played careful, like tried to not get hurt while playing, it would increase their chance. It always seemed like this is all his anecdotal old coaching stuff. But basically, if you're <laughs> like trying not to get hurt, you'll get hurt. And it's the guys who just play free coming back from an injury is always what he meant. Um, then those are the guys who will just be fine. And obviously, if you're playing free and loose, you're still going to get uh, still at an injury risk. And I would venture to guess that statistically you're at the same level. For the most part, you're at the same level. If you've medically cleared to play, let's be very specific. If you've been medically cleared okay. to play, your chances of get, of re-injuring or getting injured are about the same. Statistically, if you're cleared of injury, that's all I meant. And yeah, so, that, you know, that doesn't make me worry any less. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if Johnny Cueto is playing like this, uh, if, if this is the way he's if he has to play this way to pitch as well as he's been pitching, I mean, I, you got to just take it and you just got to hope for the best, right? That's the thing with pitchers there. It's like, it's a, it's a game of landmine or minesweeper. You don't know when you're going to click on the wrong square. Yeah. Um, but just to put what he's done in, in perspective, uh, he's had four starts this season already and giants pitchers with consecutive starts of one run or fewer to begin a season since 1958. So San Francisco giants, uh, Johnny Cueto is the newest on the list. He he has four. He's dead. Uh, who who uh, who do you think is on that list from this century? Uh, Noah Lowry. That is correct. Noah Lowry, two thousand and four. Which um, man, I think a lot of people are still sad about how Noah Lowry's career went down. But that's the whole point of pitchers, right? One day, you never know. <laughs> the point of pitchers. <laughs> The point of pitchers are they break your heart because one day they're just they their arms just just it's just all ends. Uh, Juan Marichal, uh, nineteen sixty six, he had five to start the season, so he's the leader. Um, what's Cueto's next start lined up to be? Um, uh, just, let's see. What's the schedule? It would be in L. It would be L. A. Which one? It would be the Friday night game. If, okay. Uh, yeah, every fifth day, so he would go Friday night most likely. And then there's the doubleheader on Saturday, but Cueto, what I'm, folks, if you're if you're trying to understand what's going on here, you know we have we have a stable of writers at McCovey Chronicles every week. Uh, we have the story break meeting, and I just put it out there today. I'm like, can someone write me an article breaking down Johnny Cueto's changeup? I swear to you, Sammy, that was not the same changeup he had when the Giants first got him. It is even better. <laughs> That that is a it, the way you the way you asked for that it's made it sound like you were about to ask for Spider Man pictures. Yeah, it's a, it's how I felt when I wrote it. <laughs> Somebody get me pictures of Johnny Quinn's change up, uh, and I had a cigar in my mouth and everything. But it is a cartoonish change up, not in the Tim Lincecum way because he's not throwing it where it's dropping out of the strike zone so much. It's it's 
when I'm watching it on TV, what I, my impression is it's either going from the top of the strike zone, dropping down to the bottom of the strike zone, or the middle of the strike zone, down to the bottom of the strike zone. And it seems to change the speed or break right when, basically, if the hitter is, if the bat was about to hit the ball, it's, it's as soon as the bat gets to that point, it just drops right underneath it. So are you and, saying it's sentient? I'm saying it is the perfect Johnny Cueto pitch because it's dancing and tricking you and it's having fun with you. Um, But basically what I've seen, my impression of Johnny Cueto out of the gate is basically this is, he's pitched all these games like he did against the Cubs in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I mean... It's like we knew he got it in him. <laughs> well, okay, 2016, like the start of 2016 was a yes. Bit, that that's where my mind goes, but that was a bigger sample size. And he what he he shut out the Padres three times in a month in 2016. He had a rough start against the Dodgers in that early going, and he stayed in the game and yeah, and, uh, and he kind of recovered and came back. If I remember yeah. correctly, yeah. And but you know so but four starts in to look this great, and I think you. It's like a did last year happen? <laughs> so it's did just, you just say those... no and strike it from the record, right? So I don't know what's going on. It could be one of those coaching changes behind the scenes things that we may not know. It could just be his health and figuring out a way to work through the blister issue. Whatever it is, let's just all enjoy the fact that Johnny Cueto has been uniformly excellent to start the season, and how big of a surprise the Giants' pitching has been. We've talked about all the all the pitchers we like and all the pitchers we don't like. Tony Watson finally gave up a run, which I I feel like I could have just made an entire emergency podcast around that. <laughs> was, that to, was that to <laughs> Mike Trout though? Because I feel like that doesn't count. No, it was it it was in Arizona where he finally gave up the run. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I believe it was a walk that he had that scored as well, and it almost prompted it. I started doing research for the article because it had felt like so far the season, every walk the Giants had, because they had not, they're not like that high in the walk totals for Major League Baseball. So it just felt like everyone they had walked, like a high percentage of them had scored. And mm-hmm. that was actually not the case, but it certainly felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, you know. Go ahead. And that was actually when I was when I was discussing Samarja, and that's why I kind of made note of the fact that he did kind of you know whether it was uh, fair or not, but he did walk the bases loaded. Um, and they had just mentioned earlier in the broadcast, I don't know if it was before the game or during the game, but they'd mentioned that his walk rate was so low last year compared to his stri- strikeout rate. So then when he walked three in a row, I was just like, whoa, that's <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> well, he had a a, a very very strong stretch last season. If you go and look at the final numbers, you know, I, I'm surprised. He actually was basically a league average starter, maybe even a touch below, um, which could put it in the context how the rest of the league was. I'm not sure. But um, so, but uh, a, lot of, a lot of strong points from this week. I think the split week, all that said, the, the Diamondbacks are a great team. The Angels are a great team. I would say that the, the, the thing about the season that's really been – disconcerting was just the the Padres series where essentially the Giants have played every team and have looked okay and that was the only series where they looked really bad mm-hmm. and so 
that's going to happen. And I would say that the Padres do get the exception of no matter how well the Giants seem to be doing, the Padres are this weird thorn in their side that we might be able to make an exception. I mean, the month's not over yet. We'll see what happens. The Nationals and the Dodgers are huge, huge, huge uh, matchups to get through this week. Even though the Nationals are struggling, I believe both of those teams, uh, and they're still playing as we record this, but I believe both of them are, the Dodgers are 9 and 10, and the Nationals also are 10 and 11. So the winner of the game that is going on as we record this, so Sunday Night Baseball, will get to 500. <laughs> I mean... Ah, the game is over. Is I, I didn't even need that. The game is over. The Dodgers came back and won that game. Dodgers are 500 and the Nationals are below 500. So, So, you know, they're not quite the Dodgers and Nationals of yore where they're at full full capacity or full full strength, I guess. The Nationals Nationals will be throwing out Gio Gonzalez tomorrow, though, or tonight, though. So automatically the Giants lineup is going to be different. It would be funny if Brandon Belt doesn't play. Not surprising, though. Yeah, not surprising, yeah. I mean, and how then, many home runs does a guy got to hit before he gets to play every day? Well, he's just a platoon player at that point, and that's, that to me is where you start to get in the highly questionable nature of the decision. Sorry, sidebar here. On, I believe it was Friday, if not Saturday, I believe Bochy said that he was not going And then, yeah, well, that, that didn't last long. Oh, can you say that again? You cut out right there. Oh, sorry. I said I think, I think if it wasn't Friday, then it was Saturday that Bruce Bochy said that his plan was not to platoon the Brandons. It's like, then what are you doing? Well, Brandon Crawford has been struggling quite a bit, but I think, as I said last week, that just that's, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if he's striking out as much as he has been, which he kind of is, this week was not a great week. You know, you're gonna have to take some lumps there because whoever you put in place of him on defense is a, is a markdown. Yeah. And I think you're more likely to lose a game with him not there than with him in a lineup. Uh, the, I would say that the thing about Brandon Crawford, and that's why this past weekend was a little surprising, is that he'll strike out, but he tends to work the count a little bit. And I think there was at least two times where he just went down on three pitches, mm-hmm. really with, with doing nothing. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, but obviously it's something else to, look, to keep in mind. I want to touch on this before we go in to the rest until we finish off the show here because we didn't mention it yet. We need to really say you are anointing people with your picks, Sammy. <laughs> Evan Longoria, Evan Longoria brought himself up to a league average player this year or this week. <laughs> so Evan Longoria having a, a really strong week behind the plate or at the plate and good on defense as as we expected him to be, solid to above average. Um, I would say and some impressive hit home runs. Mm-hmm. And uh, not looking, you're not dropping to a knee when he's striking out. Also, very, very impressive. <laughs> uh, so, Longoria getting going, Belt getting going has been great because I'm sure everyone's noticed Panic, Posey, they've all dropped off a little bit. And Andrew McCutcheon has basically been persona non grata when he's not facing the Dodgers, which could be fine because they're facing the Dodgers this week. Four times. Um, yes, that's right. So. Uh, so let's uh, w- let's take your Twitter questions. We've basically covered everything in our rundown here. So we've got your Twitter questions. We ask your Twitter questions every week on uh, the Mick, Mick Croncast um, 
page on Twitter. Oh, I'm kind of running out of steam here. Now let's go. We have definitely one question that I have uh, very strong. We're going to have to put a pin in it uh, answer for. But for now, let's go with the first question. I do want to point this out because Doug uh, tweeted at the account the other day. He said, I would like to apologize to all of Giants fandom for saying nice things about Hunter Strickland on the McCron cast. It won't happen again. It's obviously because Hunter Strickland blew the save in Arizona. He did. He looked pretty shaky yesterday in the uh, ninth inning in Anaheim, but I think, or I'm sorry, Los Angeles. But I think he's. Uh, that's to be expected. He's the filling closer, and at this point, I'm taking him over Sam Dyson, who I'm not sure I want to even put a baseball in the hands of at this point. Uh, in fairness to Sam Dyson, the Angels did not hit the ball so hard that it startled my cat like in all of his other appearances this season as soon as someone makes contact with one of his pitches so maybe there's an improvement going on i'm not sure (laughs) so the first question from uh rob hayner at robert hayner how about we bubble wrap every giants hitter like that kid from the movie little giants and then tell them to take one for the team i mean it really really lean into them except for buster mack and belt brandon doesn't need any help getting hit so that one is, that one is we need to protect the players. No, that sounds like we need to encourage the players to take hits by pitch. Ah, just so they're not striking out or getting on base. I I guess I'm not for that at all. Like we have too many players that take baseballs to the brain. Uh, like we just don't need to. Well, here's the thing: the Giants, hitters, they're not getting pounded in. This isn't like Chase Utley where because he's... No, no, he said really lean into it. So it's not like it's coming in at them. He's encouraging them to go for it and lean in and and take pitches. I think as we've seen, the Giants can get runners on base no problem. It's as soon as that that happens. As soon as they get to second base, then they forget how to It just shuts down. Yeah. And I just think in the spirit of Earth Day, which was yesterday now, if you're listening to this, we shouldn't bubble wrap. It's just plastic waste uh, <laughs> so let's do the other Earth Day-ish question uh, now that and this one comes from Andrew Bader at Andrew underscore B underscore Bader asks with Matt Cain's retirement which Giants player has the largest carbon footprint this makes me laugh because I want to know why he thinks Matt Cain no. has the largest carbon footprint okay no but you remember during the drought that um, Matt Cain was fined for using no. <laughs> And so was Buster Posey. So my answer is Buster Posey. I did not remember that at all. Uh, Buster Posey for sure. But but can we think about this for just a second and see if if any of the new people might might come in there? Like Alonzo Powell was in Houston, right? Uh huh. They don't they don't care about conservation whatsoever. So do you think he brought like his big Texas, like watering plans, with him. That's a possibility, or landscaping. How to cover a field? I mean, Buster's <laughs> clearly the lead, but uh, I'm still. I still like to think about who else might have come in and maybe made a mess of things. Uh, Brandon Crawford. Maybe that's what he's got on his mind half the time. Well, he's he's <laughs> from the Bay Area. I think he knows how to recycle. <laughs> All right, Buster Posey is the biggest 
the biggest polluter on the Giants. Or maybe you're, not. You heard it for a ver- Nope, maybe nope, it's too learned. late. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, maybe he's learned from being public, publicly shamed. I mean, those Toyota commercials, are Toyotas as fuel efficient as, as another car, as a Honda? I'm sure some of them might be. <laughs> he's driving an SUV. He's definitely... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not driving a Hummer, so... <laughs> At Jacobs707 Jacobs asks, how much better would Austin Slater do in center field than Ajax, in your opinions? I mean, uh, look, you can't get greedy and ask, and ask for two veterans to get, like, um, uh, Mr. Right. Phantom DL... DL? Wow. Phantom DL in one week. I don't see Austin Jackson... Austin Jackson signed a two-year deal. And, was it two years? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that he's... I mean, he's looked pretty bad. There's no question. Yeah. Uh, he... So, I'm not sure where we go with that. That's a I'm, that's a good question. Is Austin Slater tearing it up like Mac was? I think he's close, right? He's doing, he's doing well. The Giants have an interesting dilemma of... They've had no outfielders. And now, in theory, Williamson, Shaw, Duggar... And Slater are all, are all like Austin Slater is apparently playing well enough that he's getting time at first base, mm-hmm. which is great for Brandon oh. Belt. <laughs> I love that they're just like first base because that's where you stash guys who can hit but can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I would say if I don't remember who's the better center fielder, but you know Slater did he play in center field at all when he was up last year? I thought he was just a corner guy. And I, Mac Williamson was the guy I thought was the center fielder, left fielder guy. That was my recollection. I so feel I like Slater okay. wasn't there for longer than a week. He played more than a week. Okay, okay I believe you, but everything was kind of a blur last year. <laughs> it, it was a blur of badness. Like Chris Stratton's starts last season, I have absolutely no recollection of. So well, Austin and Slater everything. had 127 plate appearances last year. Oh. And he had a three thirty nine on base percentage. Um, I would I would say I'm gonna check out these defensive. That's what I. He didn't play any uh, center field. He played left and right, and I I knew he played the majority in left field. Um, or he had he had one game. He had three innings in center field. Uh, I would just say, in terms of Austin Jackson, I mean I would say Blanco probably gets time in center maybe. And. I would think they would even put McCutcheon back in center field for a day or two before they do anything like that. I mean, I don't see that happening, but Williamson can play center. Blanco can play center. Duggar obviously can play center. So that's obviously the thing that's sticking out there. Um, But I just also think Austin Jackson, it's so strange. There's been so much focus this early season of, you know, the first week it was Longoria, right? Mm -hmm. And it was... And then it's it's moved right on the belt, and then and now it was, it's on Crawford and and Jackson, I guess. I would say, well, I would say it kind of transmitted to Pence. Like, okay. are we are we officially on? Like, are, is there officially Crawford just, Jackson talk? Yeah, there's officially Crawford talk. I don't know that I've heard so much Jackson talk, but. So I would say we all need to Giants fans need to take a chill pill. Yeah, I agree. Because I think at this point we're all, even if you have your, if you're partisan and you hate Brandon Belt and you, 
wish he was never a giant, whatever you're irrational, or let's just say extreme. I won't characterize it as irrational. You don't like the guy. You don't like this. You don't like that. Fine. Can we at least acknowledge that for any fans of any team to every week have a new target when the whole offense is bad? It's not a good look for the fans. So you're saying they should just focus on Brandon Bell? Yes. (laughs) Focus on the guy who's hitting all the home runs. That is perfect. That is exactly what fans should do. Because he doesn't hit them (laughs) when it counts. I don't see Slater in center field. I mean, I I named two other guys I think would get time before that. um, If, you know, we've already seen that this weekend. I mean, Austin Jackson, did he, he played Friday and he didn't play the other two days of the week. Yeah. Two games in the series. So, you know, and no one's talking about it because there's been other bad players on the team. <laughs> so, so it's kind of tough to, to, uh, sit there and, and, uh, and focus on one new guy every week. It's kind of exhausting. Yeah. I would say the problem with Austin Jackson is he's not, he's not working walks. He's, He's getting a lot of pitches per plate appearance, I believe. Anyway, so this is why I wanted to focus on... Well, and the fact that he can't catch balls that are coming right at him. That's also a problem. Although he has made some good... He's made some better plays in center field than we saw all of last season. That's so, true. Uh, so, David Sanchez at DMSJR1978 asks, Three players Giants should be focusing on for an 18 draft. David, I know for a fact it's way too early to be talking about the draft. <laughs> But, and, and I can say for a fact that I am somebody who has no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> well, I know for a fact it's too early to check on the draft because just earlier this week, I remember clearly reading an article saying it's too early to focus on the draft. So, <laughs> but it'll happen sooner than we think, obviously. And we'll be getting to that. Roger Munchell will come on. and we'll Yeah, have, we need his yeah, expert yeah, exactly. opinion. And I would say at this point, it's the same thing with you know, the Giants are going to take the best available. They're going to X, Y, and Z. And the Giants have their own way of dealing with the draft, too. So it's not just going to be like, this is the consensus guy who should be number two. Or he's number one or number two. The Giants are going to pick the guy they think is number two, which is an entirely different thought process than anything else you're going to read. <laughs> so, which is why we're going to bring Roger on and we're going to do all that that stuff. So uh, thanks for your questions. Again, we'll take them uh, at Mick Croncast. And let's let's review our picks to click. Let's. <laughs> Who did Doug have? Who I can't remember. Doug? Oh, I'll have to go back. this is what happens when you're not here, Doug. Yeah. Well, Doug lost. Yes. I had Pablo Sandoval. That was a big loser. He certainly had opportunities, though. For sure, had he had the opportunities. He was in the moments where I thought he would be able to do something. So that could be a little disconcerting that now he's not even doing well in the limited time he's getting. Anyway, the big winner is Sammy. Yes, let me let me read you a little bit about Brandon Belt this week. Brandon Belt <laughs> broke up a Brandon Belt broke up a no-hitter. He homered in four consecutive games that he was allowed to play in. And he has now the major league record for the most pitches in an at bat. So if I didn't win, I don't know who did. So you were asking, does that give you two points? No, that's not the spirit of what picks. The, you just won decisively. I mean, but I got two points for Longoria getting it. That's right. That's hit. right. Because I said I handicapped it. And I was like, okay. that's, that's too far. But you clearly won. Okay. So, so if, I, having... if I pick Brandon Crawford next week and he starts heating up, do I get two points? No. 
I, I need to see he needs someone needs you need to pick someone who has as bad an opening week as Evan Longoria has. Like Brandon Crawford is not like not killing the rallies. He's over eighteen. He is very bad. Are you picking Brandon Crawford? I'm picking Brandon Crawford. All right, you're picking. Uh, if, listeners, Sammy is anointing people as we go along. <laughs> she has anointed Evan Longoria. She's anointed Brandon Belt. She's now anointing Brandon Crawford, and that that's that's stardust, whatever you want to call it, the energy you're you're giving them is care. It's not just gone as soon as you leave them. Longoria has been playing well still. I know. All right, you've got you've got Brandon Crawford, and you. Uh, I'm thinking about it. Uh, well, you know the 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 Dodgers are back in town, the the Nationals. Uh, I'm gonna go with McCutcheon. All right. I mean, he can't he can't be any worse than he's been. Uh, don't say that. He's been really bad. <laughs> uh, Andrew McCutcheon has sneakily been. He's in the. He's got to be. He's in in the bottom third of the Giants hitters this whole season. Yeah, I mean, he had a good game on Sunday. I guess. I mean, he I will say that Joe Panic's scuffled of late. I thought uh, you were going to pick Joe Panic because the Dodgers were coming back to town. No, I, I, I think Joe Panic's had a couple of equally large opportunities since then, and he's done fine. And I just think that there was a large element of luck for what happened. There's a oh. tremendous amount of luck for what happened against the Dodgers. It'd be nice if he was a Dodger killer, and I would be fine with eating crow. I'm not saying he's not a Dodger killer. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to pick him because of that. <laughs> I, I'm going to say he's struggling, and he might be okay. Um, four games against him? I wonder if he's even going to play all four games. So that's going to be an interesting situation. Uh, Andy Suarez is probably going to come back up to make the, uh, the one of the starts on the doubleheader day. And I'm wondering if the Giants are going to do some other sort of shenanigan to get another infielder up. No, yeah. How does that work? So they get an, one extra player, right? I get one extra player for the doubleheader, and it looks like it's going to be Suarez. But they could do something where they send, you know what I mean? Like they send down right. another guy who they want to just leave down. Um, there could just be something like that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see the Giants being more nimble on the transaction route, I think, is, is a good development for them. It's it's worth trying to see. You know, they they're talking about this shuttle. It doesn't have to just be for pitchers, right? Well, can they make moves between those two games if they needed to? Like, if they needed to send down a bullpen guy, like, and they had somebody around. I think that's what it is. I think that you're able to have an extra. So someone's going to be inactive. I don't think it's a 26 person but, roster for the second so they can't game. Can't use somebody yeah. in the first game, but they can use them. The next they, game. They, exactly they can only be active for one like or it's one of those it's either that or they can you can have up to 25 for either game but you right. can have 26 players there i believe that's what it is uh so which is also what they've talked about with when the rosters expand to the 40 man because they want people have been wanting to change that rule a little bit saying like okay the rosters expand to 30 but you can all you know you can call up 40 players, but only 30 at any time could be eligible for a game. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the same premise they use now with this extra man for gotcha. the double headers. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see Andy Suarez's second yeah, major league start. He didn't do bad in his first one. He did. 
I don't want to pit him against Beatty, but he did better than Beatty in his uh, his one game, and then he immediately went right back down. Well, like we said, Suarez had one of the best starts of a Giants pitchers in the in the twenty first century. Uh, a call up, first start, first start. Very very big caveat, obviously. Right. Uh, but he had he easily had one of the top three starts uh, of a call up. So um, very interesting to see what will happen. Dodgers offense has been. It's still not quite up to where it needs to be. I mean, once Justin Turner comes back, whenever that is, that'll be a big change. Matt Kemp's having a heck of a season, believe it or not. I'm saying the name Matt Kemp in 2018, and it's all good. Um, so, you know, Matt, Andrew McCutcheon is better than Matt Kemp, I'd like to believe. So that's why I'm thinking him. <laughs> Thanks, for <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow us uh, at McCroncast. You can follow me, Brian Murphy, at... Oh, at McCoveycron. Let's <laughs> remember that. And uh, Sammy, where can they find you? Um, at Sammy Higgins. That's Sammy, S-A-M-I. And please, uh, if you're out there interacting with any of the players, particularly Brandon Belt or Evan Longoria, just let them know it was Sammy who did it. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs>